It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. I wish I could remember the term. I think it's neurogenesis. It's a big, smart-sounding word. Aaron Vogel, we we had a father-son gathering last night, and Aaron said something that was so intriguing to me that would be really encouraging for all of us just to think about. I don't know if you've ever had it, especially on a Monday morning, where you think the term, his mercies are new every morning. I mean, I think that so much. That's been such a key theme in my life of recognizing how we function as Christians with such a newness and a life, a springtime that is always there. And uh, there was something he said that every morning we have these like baby uh, brain cells that just like uh, come alive and they can be uh, directed and, and shaped every day. And so if you immediately go down in the dumps and agree with your previous day's perspective, then you sort of train those little baby brain cells to go in the direction of the dumps. But if you take each day and wake up with a sense of mercies being new every morning and that you can literally train those new brain cells to go in the direction of truth and to proclaim Jesus Christ King, I mean, that's just, I thought that was just an amazing uh, meditation. So that's a great way to start the week. Let's take these little baby brain cells uh, and declare that they're going to focus on King Jesus. That's a great sales pitch for Daily Thunder, by the way. You know, we take those baby brain cells. We could even call Daily Thunder baby brain cell training uh, or something. But I guess it's called neurogenesis. And for those of you that are geniuses out there, you probably know he mispronounced that. But it was just a fascinating uh, thought and meditation. So if you've, uh, if you know the pattern of how we've been doing Mondays and Wednesdays, Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm typically going to be the one in here, and we're going through what's called the glossary of the gospel, where we're sort of laying the foundation. If you were a new believer, it's like, what do you need to know to really be firmly rooted and grounded in the faith? And then if you're an old believer, what do you need to know to effectively pass on the heritage of the faith to someone else. And so it's really uh, effective for any one of us to, uh, to focus on these things. I mean, I focus on these things all the time. We could call them the basics of Christianity. And in Ellerslie, I'm going to walk through these over and over and over again. And if we were to start counting up how many semesters we've had that I've walked through these things, and you say, boy, Eric, you must be burning out on these things. Actually, I love them all the more, and I cherish them all the more every time I go through them. They're living truths. They're not just weighty truths. If I had to learn two plus two equals four every single month of my life and teach it over and over again, I don't know, maybe it would grow dull. However, when you are dealing with the living truths of the kingdom of heaven, they don't grow old. They're alive and kicking. Oh, I heard an amen out there from Sandy. Uh, So this one is called the wall of doubt. Uh, I had all sorts of different uh, titles for this. One was no diacrino, but that sounded uh, a little too Greek. And then uh, I had Allegiance, which was a cool-sounding title. I mean, doesn't that sound neat, Allegiance? Uh, But then I I veered towards this one. So we're going with the wall of doubt, and I think it best enunciates uh, what this is. And I'm going to start with a review. I'm trying to get my clicker on. And I've reviewed this the past couple times we've talked, but the body uh, is the key theater in which God desires to display His glory. We see his glory in all of his creation, but his chief, the chief piece of his creation, the chief vehicle through which he desires to proclaim who he is, is this body. 
And it's an amazing statement. I, I don't know which session I said this in. It seems like it was a week ago, a couple of weeks ago. But what is the most prized, most valuable piece of real estate on earth? And if you were to ask God and the devil, it's interesting, but they're not going to pick, you know, some uh, waterfront spot in Dubai or some nice piece of property in California. They're going to choose, or Marco Island, they're going to choose the human body. This is the prized, most esteemed piece of real estate in all of God's creation. Isn't that just a a fascinating thought? You know how some of you feel very poor, and you don't feel like you have a lot, but then if you realize how expensive this is, uh, the human body is so valuable. And there's a difference between worthiness and value. For instance, if I was to say, are you worthy of all that God has given to you? It's like, well, that's a really hard one to answer, okay? Because it's like, I've done nothing deserving of his love. And yet, value-wise, what extraordinary value. I mean, how could... How could I say that? How could I proclaim that you're valuable? He shed his blood to purchase you. Okay, he paid the highest price imaginable for you. And so what we see is that you are of great significance, and this territory known as the human body matters. And so what takes place in the human body, how the human body thinks, reasons, speaks, acts, walks, everything we do matters in the terrain of life, and for eternity. And so when you recognize that the devil knows the value of this human body too, and he desires to steal it. He desires to claim it for himself. He wants to disturb it, to distort it, to disrupt it. And so this is the key battlefront. You know, we have, there's great wars that were fought, you know, on the Psalm and on uh, uh, the Verdun, you know, in history past. Uh, you have these battles of Bunker Hill and Gettysburg in America, battle, you know, places that are memorialized. You want a Bunker Hill and a Gettysburg and a Somme and a Verdun, all bonded together and multiplied by millions? You have the human body. This is where the great battle takes place. It's right smack in the middle of the human soul. And that can explain a lot of what you go through. Uh, because you know, World War I battles, they're done, they're over, now they memorialize them, they have a statue there, maybe a fence around it, and a tour guide to walk you through it. Meanwhile, you're present tense in the middle of a historic age-old battle, and it doesn't stop. The moment you're thinking, oh boy, this one has to end, it keeps going. And so what we learn is how to live in this battle zone, and this is Christianity. When you're just a human, you have challenges, you have noise in your life because you're living in a fallen world and there's just a lot of noise you have the effects of sin around you and they do impact your life like your backyard you plant a garden and there's thistle what's thistle doing there in Colorado I don't know if other places have it but we have this thing called bindweed and then I think it's morning glory is the other name for it someone was probably trying to make it sound a lot better than it is so like no it's morning glory it's like oh how pretty I'd like some of that no you don't want that because it's a bully plant. It comes into your garden or whatever you have, and it bullies out everything else and just wraps itself around everything. You see, that's the way that this fallen world is. You can do your best to plant a beautiful garden, and then things will come against it. What is that? That's the effects of sin in this world. So all of us deal with the effects of sin, but as Christians, we get bonus challenges because the spiritual powers are seeking to affect and to push back on the greatest threats to 
the powers of darkness. And so when you sign up to believe in Jesus Christ and say, I'm with Jesus, suddenly you're the marked ones. Now you're the human bodies that the devil is exceptionally upset with. And so as a result, you get bonus challenges. So the key that I want to focus on, once again, is that the body is the chosen vehicle through which God reveals his glory. God has a desire and a design in this world to showcase who he is, his glory. It's the weight of his person so that we would see him fully. And how is God to be seen fully? Well, in Colossians it says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's not just that we are clothed in Christ and brought into heavenly places, but we are brought there so that we could access the treasury of God and so that all that God is would be able to come into us. Why? So that this world could now see, in and through our lives, our bodies, our lives lived, who he is. The great mystery of godliness is what it's called in scripture. All right, so the key terms for today, you notice that I'm switching this around because oftentimes my key terms come at the very end and I usually, you'll see a grimace on my face like, whoo, I'm out of time and now I have to go through all my key terms. So this time, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give some key terms but then I'm going to actually define them as I go through my message. Boy, this is a lot more strategic uh, on my part. Doubt, belief, and faith. Now, if you've been here over the past few weeks, you'll notice that we keep harping on these uh, terms, but in different sessions. It's like I haven't even gotten to them in the glossary side, but they're critical terms in the life of a believer. And so doubt is something that I think most people liken to a personality issue. It's like, oh, they're just sort of a doubting sort of person. And I'm not going to argue that some people maybe are more inclined towards being confident in things, and other people are more inclined towards being the pessimist, and they have a tendency to think, well, I don't know about that. Maybe. However, doubt is dangerous. Just like some people could have a susceptibility to self-pity more easily, right? That doesn't make it Good. Just because our personalities may be inclined towards certain sins more than others, some people towards fear, some people towards gluttony, that doesn't mean they're okay. And so in every single one of our situations, if you have a tendency to be inclined towards doubt, all the more you should rise up and say, Lord Jesus, touch me right there. Because doubt is a grand enemy of what God is desiring to do in your life and in this body. And so that's what I want to walk through because God's operation that truly sets free is something known as faith. Now, a key concept here, because I have three terms. For those of you that are listening via podcast, I have three terms, doubt, belief, and faith. Now, belief and faith technically are the same thing, okay? In the Greek, we have a word called pistis, which is translated as faith, typically. Pistuyo, which is just a derivative of Pistis, is to believe. It's an action. Okay, so when we believe God, we are doing faith. It's faith in action. Okay, faith is a noun. So it's, it's when you do a whole bunch of pastuyoing, you're doing a whole bunch of believing, what do you have? Someone would say, well, they have faith because they're doing a whole bunch of believing. Believing is faith. Okay, now that can be a little confusing to us because the word believe and faith are different. But that's only in the English language. In the Greek, where the words are even being used in the scriptures, they're actually the same thing, okay? So I just want to clarify that up front. All right. So the word, 
I'm gonna, you're learning all sorts of Greek words already. You already have pistis and then pastuyo, and now we have diakrino. So diakrino is the word that is typically going to be translated as doubt. Uh, you know this idea in James where it's, it talks about uh, a man tossed to and fro by a wave of the sea? Yeah, this. This diakrino is doubt, typically is how it's going to be translated. However, let's look at what it means, okay? So for those of you that have a little pet doubt in your life and you're petting it daily and feeding it, and it's just like, oh, this is just part of my personal self-expression, I just want you to understand the danger of this. It means to side against something. So when you doubt something, you are actually making a decision to say, I'm against that. It is a deliberate statement of soul. To ally with one over against another, to forsake a previous allegiance, to waver in support of one candidate, and vote in support of another. Let's see. Hey, Hudson, could you help me by bringing over these two uh, pedestals? Uh, Joseph, would you mind bringing that one over, and then I'll get two pedestals to give you sort of the concept here. You see, many of us, uh, and I'm going to put, because I'm so, you know, let's move it right over here. Uh, <clears throat> You guys are both sort of scared of getting on that screen, aren't you? Uh, <clears throat> if you had a Bible, we could stick it up here. I don't know that we have an apple. So when I teach this in the uh, Ellerslie class, I'll oftentimes have a piece of fruit. You happen to have an apple. We, ha- we have an apple. <laughs> of course, you're going to, Nadia, you're going to have a tough time eating it afterwards because it's symbolic of something very, very bad. So I had to wipe it clean and just say that has nothing to do with it. wasn't the same apple. Okay, so what I'll do typically in our Ellerslie training is I'll create, because I'm teaching on two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, which is the cross. It's, it's the two trees that are in the garden, one that we're cut off from, the tree of life, but Jesus Christ makes a way once again unto life in and through that tree. And so we put the word of God on it. So I don't even know that that comes through on the, uh, on the stream, but many of us will say, God, I'm with you. I believe what you have to say. And then we get a whisper from over here. You see, this side of the ledger to the left, to my left, where the apple is, there's a voice. There's a very real voice that is always nitpicking the truth. And it is always questioning it. It's just like a a side uh, of our life with question marks, question marks, question marks, question marks. (laughs) Sorry, I can't. That's a hard thing to say multiple times in a row. And it's always asking questions, saying, well, can you really trust that? Are you sure? You have this one scripture, and it's like, well, but God says, and the enemy says, but did God really say that? Did he mean that? Do you think that's what he actually is after? And so here's what we oftentimes do. We actually turn from what the Bible says, and we listen to the devil. By the way, the devil is very clearly exposed in scripture as being the father of lies. His expertise is deception. And so why we would ever listen to him, oh, it's beyond me. However, Every one of us in here have been caught red-handed many times in our life listening to this voice. Okay, and so, so to listen to that voice is to side against God, to ally with one over against another, to forsake a previous allegiance, to waver in support of one candidate and vote in support of another. Jesus, you have my vote. What's that? But you could do that for me, devil? Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, sorry, Jesus, I'm not actually going to vote for you. I'm voting for the devil on this one. None of us ever intentionally says that we're voting for the devil. However, we believe him all the time. And when we believe the devil, we are disbelieving God. That's just a key concept here. So Christianity is based on believing. 
You are a believer, not a doubter. There's nothing in scripture that says, and all the doubters gathered together in the upper room. There is no, there's no idea like that that is ever fostered. We are believers, which means we believe what God says and we doubt what the devil says. All right, so here's some pictures for you. Uh, this is really for Hudson. Hudson loves it when I have graphics on the screen. And so uh, for those of you that are doing it via podcast, this is a huge blow to you to not be able to see these fun pictures. Uh, but uh, so what we have is two trees, and we have one tree uh, which is on my left that has some black fruit. It's really disgusting looking. If any of you ever think about black fruit, it's, it just doesn't look very appetizing. Of course, on the other side, you have this tree of life, right? And it has white fruit. But if you think about white fruit, that's, that doesn't sound very good either. But the white fruit is really good. It's life, okay? And the black fruit is death. This is bad stuff. And so then uh, you have the word of the liar on my left, and then you have the word of truth on my right. So this is a definition of doubt. Remember, I called this message the wall of doubt. So there's a character. He's like a little stick figure, and he's reaching up and grabbing the fruit from the tree that is the word of the liar. And there's a wall that is built called the wall of doubt. So he is turning his back when he believes the word of the liar. He's turning his back on the truth. You see, you can't believe both simultaneously. You have to choose what you believe. There's an allegiance issue here. And so when you believe the lie, you side against the truth. Listen to the contrary. When you believe the truth, you side against the lie. You choose. Are you with darkness or are you with light? Doubt is a very dangerous behavior because it's very subtle to us. We're saying, oh God, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. But when you're doubting him, you're actually choosing and giving your vote, the vote of your soul, to the devil. Okay, We just don't want to do that. That's a very dangerous uh, habit pattern. Introducing the slick attorney. He's that one over here, you know, in the side with the apple. Uh, the, and by the way, in the Garden of Eden, it's likely that it wasn't an apple, okay? That's just the symbol. And so thanks to Nadia, we actually have an apple today, which is really nice. For those of you that are present and stream, you get to see it's actually a really nice looking apple that has my fingerprints all over it. So I have no idea if she's going to want to eat it anyways. But introducing the slick attorney, he hangs out with the apple, okay, with the fruit. This is like his side. He's that one over here with the pungent cologne, the slicked-back, greasy hairdo, the disturbing, toothy grin that never stops yammering. It's funny. If you were to have a personification of the devil and his ideas, it would be like that litigation lawyer. You know the one when you're... It's always in Florida. You're driving down the road in Florida near Orlando, and they have a, a billboard every 100 feet that's talking about how if you were in an accident, this guy is for you. He's on your side. He's the strong arm. I mean, you have all of this stuff, okay? It's just everywhere in Florida, never in Colorado. We don't do that type of stuff in Colorado. So there's, for those of you that are listening via podcast, we have some Floridians in here that are offended. Uh, I'm just poking at them. It is in Florida. Near Orlando, though, you have to just take a little drive out there and you'll see it. Uh, so, but what would it be like? They would they're not trustworthy. Everything about those billboards, you just sort of have to question. It's like, I don't know that I trust that guy. But supposedly he can get me a million dollars. And that's exactly the way the devil is. If you look at him, he has the greased back hairdo. He has this blob of grease dripping down his face. It's like it's so obvious that he's trying to look credible. But he's not. He has a toothy grin. He has a big gold tooth. He goes, ding. And he's, yeah, there's just something about it. Yeah. All of us know he's a liar. All of us know he's not trustworthy. Then why do we listen to him? Why, why do we spend any time listening to the devil? 
All, he has one agenda, and that's to undermine God's word. That's what he's after. If he can undermine God's word, he undermines the entire foundation upon Christianity, upon which we build. We build our life upon the word of God in text, in person, and in action. What it says in the text reveals the man, Jesus, the God-man who came to this earth and died on that cross for us. He is God. He is God Almighty, and he has done it for us. If the devil can undermine that, what are we believing in? That is the foundation of our faith. And so the devil, the slick attorney, he always has an argument. He always has something. It's like, are you sure you can trust that? I mean, you remember Uncle Harold, don't you? He was a Christian. He, he believed that stuff, and look what happened to him. In other words, the devil always has an argument. I think he studies us, if I could try and figure out what he does. He studies us, figures out the best way to approach us, and then hits us square between the eyes. He never stops yammering. Have you ever noticed that? It's like God sometimes just seems silent. It's like, God, hey, God, you there? You there, God? You never have to ask the devil if he's there. He's always talking. The guy is always making noise, okay? Isn't that a funny uh, contrast? All right, so we have another picture. For those of you uh, joining us via podcast, I feel sorry for you that you're missing these fantastic uh, pictures. So we have two trees again, and on, the, on my left... You have the tree with the, uh, the ugly dark fruit, and it says Slick Attorney underneath. And then on my right, you have a tree that says Jesus, and it has the beautiful life fruit, right? You choose. But this guy, this stick figure in this drawing, what is he doing? Don't do that. Don't listen to the Slick Attorney. This is what doubt is. You see, what it does when you listen to the Slick Attorney is you are actually doubting Jesus. You see, there's no life in this. This is the causeway, this is the hallway unto destruction. So doubt is a step in the wrong direction, not a step in the right direction. It's not a personality disorder. It is, brace yourselves guys, this is going to hit some of us hard. It's a sin. It is a disruption of the soul. It is not agreement, it's not in agreement with God. This is not how we ought to live. We ought to deny doubt. We ought to deny the voices of slick attorney. We ought to ignore it. Instead, we oftentimes listen to it, and in so doing, are giving a vote for him over Jesus Christ. So here's our marching orders. No diacrino. There is no wavering. There is no turning our back on God. There is no allying against God. There's no voting for the devil's opinion over God's opinion. He always has an opinion on everything you, you bring up. Every single thing that could ever happen in your life, there's sort of like the devil take on it, too. It's like, but... He always has it. That's his movement. But, and he always has something that follows that. And it's always some brilliant sounding thing that if you listen to it, watch out. Slippery slope. So here's the, here's the statement. No diacrino, exclamation mark. Do not examine the lying lawyer's evidence. Come on, you just need to consider this. Have you ever had it where your bank account's empty? And what does God say? He says, I'm taking care of you. I'm faithful. I'm your provider. I mean, he's very clear on the fact that he takes care of his children, that he will provide. He has done it throughout the ages, and he's not going to forsake you. The word of God is clear. However, what does the enemy say? Come on. You ha- let, let's go online. Let's open up your bank account. All right, now let's put all of your bills out that are going to be due in the next few days, and let's panic. Okay, the devil is going to reason with evidence. He does have it. Like, for instance, an empty bank account is his evidence. 
It's like, hey, God has failed you. You prayed, and yet your bank account is still empty. Yes, but that does not nullify the fact that my God is faithful. In other words, the devil will always point to natural things. The fact that you have difficulties, the devil will jump all over that and say, hey, I thought God was supposed to protect you and comfort you and do all this stuff for you. He promises, oh devil, that I will endure hardships. And that when I go through them, he gives me all the tools, it's called grace, through which to endure them. You see, you have to respond to the devil not by examining his evidence, but by smacking him upside the head with the word of God. We have the truth, but we must be believers, not doubters. So in Mark eleven twenty three, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, it says, and has no diacrino in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay, now this is a pretty interesting illustration. The idea is to have a mountain picked up and thrown into a sea. How many of you in here have witnessed personally a mountain picked up and thrown into the sea? I'm not talking about like a little hill like that you could pick up with your hands and throw it. I'm talking about like Mount Evans out there. Have you ever seen a mountain picked up and thrown into the sea? What? You haven't seen it? Should we doubt then what this says? You see, God has spoken clearly and he has said, hey, yes, this is how I work. And if you command even a mountain to be thrown into the midst of the sea and do not have diacrino. Why would you have diacrino? Why would the enemy have anything to say on such a topic? Uh, <clears throat> hey, those things don't happen. That's ridiculous. I don't even know that it's ever happened throughout history. I mean, how could you even believe this stuff? That's nonsense. You see, the slick attorney is all over that one. And even as you're sitting here, you're thinking, well, he has a good point. It doesn't matter what he says. Your job is to be a believer. That's what faith is. Faith is like a little child's confidence in their parents. Okay? If the parent says it, it's as good as done. You see, God said it, and he's a far greater parent than even ours. Our parents actually can fail us. God's word can't fail us. Our job is to be believers, not doubters, and yet the devil has a really good argument here. There is no way, hunk, as he takes a bite from his own apple, there is no way that a mountain could ever be picked up and thrown into the sea. Scientifically, that's impossible. And guess what? He's right. According to natural law, that cannot happen. We don't live according to natural law. We live by faith in one who supersedes and is over all natural law. It's called the supernatural realm. Our job is to be believers in God, not to be scientists over here determining what's possible and what's not. Everything about the Christian life falls into the impossible category. It is enabled by grace through faith. All right. Look at this one. Romans 4, 20 through 21. He staggered not. Speaking of Abraham, isn't that an interesting statement? Staggered. That is the concept of Abraham had no diacrino. And how does it translate? He staggered not. He didn't waver back and forth. He didn't have doubt. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. You know how hard it would be if you've been promised that Isaac, your son, which is a supernatural son, by the way. I mean, everything about that story is amazing. You've been told that from him, 
will come multitudes, like the sands on the seashore, like the stars in the heavens. And then God says, I need you to lay them down. I need you to sacrifice them. Okay, now, the same God who has promised that, and he cannot lie, that out of Isaac will come multitudes and nations will be blessed, same one. God says, and I ask you to sacrifice them. <gasps> okay? But he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You know what it says? I mean, I, I know Nathan even said this sometime last week. But he believed, as it says in the New Testament, that Abraham believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead. In other words, God's promise will be secure if he obeys him. But could you imagine the, the slick attorney would have a field day with this one? It's like, that's ridiculous. You can't trust this God. There is no way if you sacrifice him that there's any hope that he could fulfill his promise. You see, God was testing Abraham. And we have to walk through the same tests. There's going to be a lot of noise coming from the slick attorney in our life. But God says, do you believe my word? You see, we are believers. Christianity 101. What the word of God says, we believe it. What about all those things that sound impossible? Huh? Those two. You know that I personally believe that Eve was formed out of Adam's rib? You know how ridiculous that sounds to a scientist? At least one of those smart scientists today. You know that I believe that Adam was created out of the dust of the earth? Why? Because the Bible says it. It's good enough for me. I believe that the earth was created in six days and on the seventh day God rested. Yeah, 24-hour days. I believe it. Why? Because the Bible says it. See, I don't need to complicate it. I just believe the word of God. And by the way, I'm a supremely happy person because of it. You know that I believe that what Christ did on the cross is sufficient for me? And I believe that he gives me grace to live my life so that I do not need to be under the thumb of sin anymore? And guess what? It's real in my life as a result. You see, when you believe it, it activates it in your life. If you spend your entire life trying to figure it out intellectually of how that could possibly work, you've never seen grace. How would God live inside a man? You try and figure all that out and heed the, the, the slick attorney's mentalities, you'll never discover the reality of it that is only gained through childlike trust and faith. If God said it, that's good enough for me. So he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. What a great statement. That is one of my favorite statements of how faith works. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. You mean, Eric, you believe that he could pick up a mountain and throw it into the sea? Yep, and I believe he could do a lot more than that. I believe he created the heavens and the earth. I mean, picking up a mountain and throwing it into the sea is... That's, that's nothing, okay? That's, that's pathetic next to what my God can do. That's like, you know, a little uh, pinky exercise. This is not something that's difficult for God Almighty. I trust and believe that God is able to perform all that he says in this book. Yeah, that's, that's what's called a believer, Doubting God's truth is the barrier to truth. You see, when you doubt this, you create a barrier between you and the actual functionality of God's truth in your life. So there's a lot of people that struggle with this, like, how come I don't see this in my life? How come I don't see God's promises realized in my life? Well, you doubt them. 
You see, if you, it says in James, if a man doubts, then he should not expect anything from God. It's faith that accesses the kingdom of heaven. So look at this, John 8, 32. The truth shall make you free. You want to be free? What do you need? You need truth, not lies. You need truth. So what do you do? You give yourself to truth. You believe the truth. It sets you free. Whereas there's a contrast to this. The lie shall lock you away in everlasting chains. So if you believe the lie, you stay a prisoner. If you believe the truth, you're set free. So guys, here's my picture again for all of you uh, watching, or watching, well, watching, but uh, podcast, listening. We have everlasting chains on my left and everlasting freedom on my right. Lies would be to my left. Truth would be to my right. And we have that crazy stick character, which is very similar to us. And he has a wall of doubt, and he's choosing the chains. Who would ever choose the lie? And yet so many of us have done exactly that. You see, what is the secret to to faith? It is choosing to give up all that is in that tree. All that the slick attorney has to say and turning your back on it. Don't turn your back on God's word. Turn your back on all that would question God's word. The seriousness of the command. To entertain doubt is to stand against the truth. To show hospitality in the slightest degree to the pleas of the lying lawyer, it's like attorney, is to make place for the enemy. To fix the eyes of your soul on the deceiver's evidence is to lend it credence and power in your life. Don't even look at his evidence. The devil wants you to stare at the apple. Remember Eve? Oh, that's actually a nice looking fruit. Uh, It's it's luscious. It's able to make one wise. You see, she studied the evidence. Don't even study it. You don't need to see that. Study God's word. Study the cross. Study Jesus. That's what will set you free. Studying what the devil has to say, your empty bank account, you can stare at it all day long. It's not going to solve it. Study Jesus. And you'll recognize you have a provider. You have one that will care for you. You have a father in heaven. How does faith function? Oh, there it is, guys. I have another picture. So what you have is all other saviors on my left, and you have Jesus on my right. And so, and then what do you have? You have the stick figure who's finally starting to do this right. I mean, what that guy was hanging out with the black fruit this whole time, but now he is repented of that. And what is he doing? He's reaching out for Christ. He's grabbing, remember Christ, uh, he says, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. Sounds really odd and strange. But if you think about it, he's the fruit on the tree. In the Garden of Eden, it says, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, the day in which you eat, you will surely die. But then what is Jesus basically saying? Unless you eat of the fruit of this tree, the cross, and that which hangs upon it, you cannot have life. He's the fruit that hangs on the tree. And so what is true faith? We turn our back on all other saviors. Everything else that could possibly rescue us, we literally decide to doubt it. To pull Diacrino in the proper way by doubting the enemy. The enemy can say, but what about, I doubt that. The enemy's like, but, but, and we're like, I doubt you. I don't trust you at all. We doubt the enemy. We don't doubt God. So there's a wall of doubt, but it's on the right side now. In other words, we are actually choosing to believe Jesus and doubt the enemy. Now that's the way it's supposed to work. It it feels really good to doubt the enemy. 
and to give them a cold shoulder too. I mean, it, it does. It feels really good to say, no, no, I'm choosing to vote with Jesus on this one. Oh, it's great. So the promiser, this is who we're believing in, guys. He cannot lie, Titus 1.2. He will not change, James 1.17. He is the same forever, Hebrews 13.8. And he is eager to answer. You see, the one we are believing in, he is faithful. He is true. Think about the word faithful. Well, what does that mean? What are you supposed to have here? You're supposed to have faith. You're supposed to believe, not doubt. And who are you believing in? The faithful one. What is he full of? And you could say he's full of faith. Yeah. He's full of everything that you can have confidence in, that your faith can rest upon. And if you will trust Jesus Christ, you will not be disappointed. That's the concept of faithful. Whatever you trust him to do, he will, in fact, do it. That's why faithful and true is so important. This is true, and if you trust it, he will prove faithful. He will perfectly complement your faith with the substance of an answer. He will prove to be trustworthy. That's our Jesus. So in each of these, I've, I've reminded you that the key to Christianity, since that's what we're going through, we're going the ba- through the basis of Christianity, you could believe all the right things, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, enabling you to live this life, enabling you to study the scriptures, to pray, to understand what this book even means. He's the one that carried along the writers of it. He knows it better than anyone. If you want to become truly a Christian as God intends a Christian to be, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And then here's your key exercise for the week. This is a good one. Being discipled. You see, it's a deliberate choice. All of these things that I've brought up over over the time as far as key disciplines, this is a huge one. And that is it's a decision to be discipled. It's like, okay, I'm a Christian. I want to be discipled as a Christian. And part of that means you submit. You know, in, in my life, I have a lot of people in my life, but not a lot of disciples. Okay, I do have disciples, and of course I probably have more than most people do because I run a discipleship training school. However, to be a disciple, you have to submit to a discipler. It's a decision. And for instance, I know a lot of people. I go to Starbucks today, and there's a lot of people in there that will know me, right? That doesn't mean they're my disciples. You see, a disciple is someone who comes to me and says, would you disciple me? And as a result, then I choose to say, yes, I will. It's a relational thing that involves submission. And so you don't just have that just because you hang out with someone. It's a deliberate choice. There is a statement, uh, I think it was in the uh, Apocrypha, so I'm not necessarily trying to get you, not saying the Apocrypha, those uh, middle books uh, between you know, the Catholics include in, in their Bible, uh, are divine. However, there's some great stuff in there. I mean, if you're just going to look at it as good literature, wise literature, it's some great stuff. There, there's one that says, when you find a godly man wear out his doorstep. Isn't that just a fascinating statement as far as some kind of proverb? When you find a godly man, wear out his doorstep. So in other words, choose to be discipled. Say, hey, I, I need what you have. And this, There's some kind of quality to that that God likes. That's what he desires us to do with him. It's to wear out his doorstep. It's like, hey, Jesus, I can't make it through today without you. Your word says I need you in order to live this life, so I'm going to wear out your doorstep. And he likes that. 
He's the one that gives the illustration of the guy knocking on the door. He's like, hey, he just keeps knocking, kink, 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 kink. He says, do that. That's how I want you to pray. How about the widow that comes to the judge and just begs him day in and day out? Yeah. He says, do that. And so there's this quality in us. We call it the, around here at Ellers, we call it the persistent widow. So I have a guy down in uh, New Zealand named Dave Firth. Hey, Dave, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, that my nickname for him is PW. Uh, persistent widow. Uh, so I don't know if he considers it a compliment, but that's, uh, he is, he is a persistent guy in, in the most positive way, right? It's just a hilarious thing how he has gotten into my life with kink, 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 knocking. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful quality, but I want you to consider that in your life is that it is important to be discipled. All right. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would deliberately choose to turn our back on the slick eternity today and to believe your word, to be men and women of faith, men and women that believe. We love you and we trust you. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellersley campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.